called Reverend. Is that what's going on this morning? We, we just started calling him Pastor Christian. I think he's interested. So thank you, Reverend Estabrook, for the announcements this morning. How many people by a show of hands have signed up for the online version of 40 Days of Focus? Oh yes, if there's somebody sitting next to you with arms folded, not sticking their hand up, give them a little elbow. They need encouragement. I hope you won't miss this opportunity to join us on a great journey. That's what I've started to call this. You can change from the inside out. Would you meet with me? It's similar to this. If I said to you, hey, can we have coffee next week? And you said, no, I don't really want to have coffee. And then the next week I came and I said, can we just have coffee? I just want a fellowship. I'm too busy. And the next week I come to you and I say, you know, one of these days we've got to have coffee. I just feel like we're, we're disconnected. I, I want to I chat with you. You know, I'd really like to, but I just can't. I mean, what kind of a relationship would we have if week after week you kept putting that off and we never got to fellowship? God wants to meet with you. And God meetings are called prayer. It's part of what God designed each one of us to do. You know, in uh, one region of Africa, a missionary story is told where the first converts to Christianity in this village developed a habit of going out of the village and into the outskirts where the bush was. And in that place, each one found a little area that was kind of their prayer closet. I mean, it was outdoors. It wasn't inside, but it was their special area. And they would each go out and they would pray. And this was a praying village. Well, each one of these little prayer rooms, if you will, had a little pathway going to it. So everybody had their own private path to their own little private prayer area. And they would pray each day. And God was doing amazing things in that village. In fact, the entire village was turned around for Christ so that almost every person in that village loved the Lord and served the Lord. But as often happens with us, even though everything was going well, people tended to stop their habit of prayer because things went well. They didn't have so many needs. They weren't so desperate. And so they stopped walking down their paths. And in this little village, they developed a habit based on that. And whenever anybody noticed that a pathway was growing over with grass, somebody would go and they would find the person who belonged to that path, and they would say, friend, there's grass on your path. And that reminded them that they had stopped meeting with the Lord. They'd broken off that vital connection. And I just want to say to you guys this morning, friends, A lot of you've got a lot of grass on your path. You're not meeting with the Lord as much as he would like to meet with you. You're not connected with your Lord and Savior in the way that you need to be to be changed. And that's why I say this 40 days of focus on prayer is a great journey. It has the the potential to change you in a very significant way for the rest of your life. The way you view prayer, the connection that you have with your Lord and Savior. And you know, the truth is, most of us do pray, but we pray most when we have needs, circumstances that press us towards prayer. When everything's going well, we tend to pray less. When an emergency arises or we're anxious about something, we pray more. And you know, I think that betrays the fact that most of us view prayer as a tool to change our circumstances. That's not what prayer is for. Prayer 
is to change you. Yes, God will intervene on your behalf at certain times and places. I'm not saying that he won't. But prayer is to change you. God has already determined the times and the places, determined the times and places that he's going to intervene in your life. God is sovereign. He will do what he will do. But God invites you to join him in his great work in your life. The big idea this morning that I want to get across to you from the scriptures is that you need to pray before the circumstances warrant it, not just during and after. And I think that's a great reminder uh, to each one of us this morning. Our text is Matthew 26. Pastor Mark, or should I say the good reverend, Mark Prescott, read to us this morning from Luke an account of the same passage that I'm going to read to you from Matthew. It's when Jesus was in the garden just before he went to the cross. It's from Matthew 26. I'm going to read verses 36 to 45. It says, Then Jesus went with the disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell on his face to the ground and he prayed, Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to the disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time and he prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Then he came back. He again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away at once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. You know, in the first verse here, in verse 36, it says that Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. Now, each one of the Gospels records this in a little bit different way. In Luke's account, it says that Jesus went out as usual. To the Mount of Olives. Now he says the Mount of Olives because Luke is speaking to a Gentile audience. So they wouldn't refer to this region as Gethsemane. He's talking about the same place. But the key is here. Luke says that Jesus went out as usual. And it's important to note here that this was Jesus's normal routine. The time that he went in the garden and he prayed these things three times and the disciples were sleeping. This wasn't the first time that they had done this. Luke reminds us, this is what Jesus normally did. It's his usual routine. And so they're gathered together in this place, and it helps us to understand how Judas was so easily able to find Jesus and betray him. He says, I know where Jesus is. This is the same place he always goes. It's the same thing he always does. And I wonder in my mind, did these guys always sleep when Jesus took them there to pray? Or was it just this particular night? I tend to think that these guys did a lot of sleeping while Jesus did a lot of praying. 
This morning I've entitled the sermon, Are You Sleeping When You Should Be Praying? Because I'm convinced that many of us, just like the disciples in this account, God is calling us to do something, to, to stand in prayer, to pray for others, to pray that for ourselves that we would not fall into temptation, to pray that God's work would be done, to pray that revival would break out in the city, to pray that God would give us church planters. To pray for our leaders. There's a lot of things that we need to pray about. But instead, we rest. We sleep. We do other things. I don't think much has changed in the last 2,000 years with God's disciples. Oh, God remains the same. Today, tomorrow, forever, the Bible says God remains the same. But Lord forbid that you and I should remain the same. We've got a lot of work to do. And so Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. Verse 40. Then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. You know, Jesus takes them there. This is the greatest hour of need that any of them have ever had in their entire life. Jesus included. In his life on earth, he's never faced anything quite like this. He's calmed storms. He's faced off with the religious leaders. He's done all these different things, but he knows this is the hour. When he's going to have to take the sins of the world on his shoulders. Never mind the beating and the ridicule and the nails. And at this moment of great need, he invites these men, these followers of his to join him in prayer. And yet they were sleeping. And I think about that and I go, why were these people sleeping? Why didn't they understand the gravity of that moment? Had Jesus not told them what was about to take place? Oh, no, Jesus had told them. In fact, he had told them very plainly. When you read the Gospels, you go, how did they not get it? He told them that the hour was near. When they were at the supper, right before they went to the garden, he told them the hour is near. He said, prepare yourselves. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed. And I'm going to die. And I'm going to come back to life. And somehow they missed this. It's very easy for us to look at the disciples and go, I would have done better. But yet I look at my life, I look at your life, and I wonder, are we really doing better? Are you engaged in prayer? Are you fervent in your prayer life? Are you truly prepared for what is about to come next in your life? Or are we just like the disciples, sleeping when we should be praying? You know, one of the problems that these guys had being fervent and joining Jesus in prayer is they could not get on board with Jesus' plan. You remember what Peter said when Jesus told them that he was going to be killed? He said, never, let it never be so. And Jesus turned to him and said, get behind me, Satan. These guys had a really hard time getting on board with Jesus' plan. In their minds, when they were at that dinner, right before this happened, what were they arguing about? Oh, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Instead of thinking about this hour of great need, they were jockeying for position to see who would sit at the right and the left-hand side when Jesus ruled and reigned. They were thinking about themselves. They were thinking about how great it was going to be. They had just walked away from jobs. They had walked away from comfort. They had been exposed to all kinds of dangerous situations. They'd cast out demons. They'd been on a boat that was about to capsize. They saw Jesus walk on water. They did all of these great things. And they said, we're paying our dues. Boy, is it going to be grand. 
When Jesus rules and reigns and we're right there with him. And they were so focused on what they were going to get out of this deal. And how this Jesus was going to solve all their problems. And he was going to make the path straight. And he was going to make everything the way that they thought it should be. That when Jesus invited them to join him in what he was about to do, his death and his resurrection, they had no place for that. What good is that to us, they thought. What good is it to me to join Jesus in that place? Because I'm going over here. And I wonder how often we do that. What is it that God really wants you to do? Are you willing to join him in that place? It might cost you your dream. And you know, every one of us has a dream for tomorrow. I have dreams and, and, and ideas for how I think tomorrow should be. I know where I want to be in about five years. But is that God's dream? Is your dream God's dream? And is God's dream for you that you would be happier, more wealthy, more comfortable, have more vacation time, and enjoy greater health? Not necessarily. God's dream for you is that you would join him in making a difference in this world. And sometimes the way that we do that is the way of suffering, the way of sacrifice. But God's disciples that day could not get on board with that. And their temptation that day was to resist Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior. To actually resist Jesus and what he was doing. Not only would they not join him, but they would resist him. Because he was not going in the direction they wanted him to go. Rather than submit to God, they stood in his way. The only thing that could have righted that wrong on that day was prayer. Fervent prayer before the Lord. If they would have gotten on their knees, cozied up right next to Jesus, laid flat on the ground and cried out like Jesus did, it would have changed their whole way of thinking. It would have prepared them for that moment. But they couldn't. They didn't. They slept instead. Are you sleeping when you should be praying? Verse 41 says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Now, this verse tells us volumes about why we pray and when we should pray. The word temptation here in the Greek carries this idea of a trial, a test, if you will. And each one of us goes through a series of tests in life. And when we're tested, we can either pass or we can fail. But the way that you prepare to pass this test, Jesus says, is prayer. Pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Pray so that you will not fail the test that you're about to receive. You know, all of us have been through school and we're very familiar with the way tests work. I don't know about you, but there were a few tests I showed up for in my lifetime Totally unprepared. Didn't study either. I was lazy. I forgot. And you show up and the test is put in front of you. You start reading the questions and you realize, I have no idea. And you may write some answers down and, and you're not surprised at all when you get that thing back and it's got a big F in red ink. At least that's what all my teachers used. Red ink F. If you don't study, it's very difficult to pass a test. But I can remember other tests in my life where I stayed up late. And I worked hard 
And I had colored markers, and I marked things up, and I made flashcards, and I showed up, and I said, I am ready. Hit me with that test. And I aced it. Preparation makes a huge difference in how you perform at that moment of testing. And Jesus says, do you want to pass in life? Do you want to stay on track with what I created you to do? Do you want to see what it truly means to live for me? Well, you've got to prepare right now. The test might not come today, but you better be preparing today. Because when the test comes, it'll be too late. When the teacher slid that test in front of you, you couldn't say, can you just hold on for 30 seconds? I want to prepare. I mean, who, what teacher gives a test that you could prepare in 30 seconds for? It takes more time than that. If you show up and the test is slid onto your desk and you're not prepared, it's too late. And God's telling his disciples a similar thing here. He says, you need to pray now. So that you can pass the test that's about to come. They sleep. And they sleep. And a third time, they sleep. You know, it's interesting when you look at the way that these guys react. And again, I see myself in these disciples. You know, the thing that they thought to do when the moment of testing came was to save themselves. I mean, you guys know the story when the soldiers come and then Judas comes and he kisses Jesus on the cheek and the soldiers, they've got their swords and they're, they're coming to arrest Jesus and take him away by force. And the disciples see this mob of soldiers coming. They see Judas, the betrayer, and they react. First of all, Peter chops off a guy's ear. I mean, he pulls out a sword to fight back. And Jesus rebukes him for that, heals the man's ear. And then the next thing they do is they all scatter like rats trying to get off of a sinking ship. They all go different directions. They just run. They abandon Jesus completely. It's every man for himself, and they're just going to save their life. And I can imagine what it must have been like for those disciples. They're in the garden. They've been sleeping. They didn't quite understand all those crazy things Jesus was saying during dinner. And now Jesus keeps rebuking them. He's in, obviously in anguish. They're not sure how this night's going to end. The soldiers come and they go, oh my goodness, if I don't run for my life, they're going to take me too. They run. And I can imagine what it must have been like to be back at home or wherever, whatever place they ran to. And you're huffing and you're puffing and you're thinking about Jesus just got taken away. And what does this mean? But at least I saved myself. At least I'm still alive. And how their mind must have been swirling with what comes next. I just gave up my job, my career. I spent three years with this guy. He was going to be the king of kings. He was going to rule and reign. He was going to kick Rome out of the nation of Israel. And now he's arrested and I'm all alone. Where do I go from here? And I think of the words of Jesus from Mark eight thirty four and 35 that says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. These men saved their life that day, but their very leader, Jesus Christ, had told them, if you want to save your life, you have to lose it. But if you're intent on trying to save your own life, you're going to lose it. And that's just what they did that day. What a difference it would have made had they gotten on their knees, had they fallen on the ground and prepared for this test. They failed miserably. Why? They 
didn't pray. He didn't prepare. And I wonder with you and with I, what's going to come today? What does your day hold? Do you really know? Is your health going to hold the rest of the day? Are the people you love going to drive safely on the road for the rest of today? Do you know what's going to come in the next few hours? What about the next day or the next week or the next year? Could it be that there's a test around the corner for you that you haven't been preparing for? Could it be that God's going to ask you to join him in some incredible adventure that's going to require you to sacrifice, but you're not preparing right now? And I wonder, why is it that 2,000 years later, we have all the wisdom of God recorded in the scriptures, and we won't pray? Because prayer is boring. I don't have time to pray. We don't believe that God wants to prepare us for something great. We're going to wait until the trial comes, and then we're going to throw up a few prayers and hope that God will answer. God wants to change you, and he wants to do it through prayer, and he wants to do it today. And this great journey that we're going on, this 40-day journey, is a great opportunity for you to start a new habit in life, to learn what it's like to join God in prayer so that you can get on his page, you can get on his path or his plan for your life so that God can put a test in front of you and you can pass that test and you can go on to greater and more important tests in the future. Verse 45 and 46 says this. Then he returned to the disciples and he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near and the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. What about you? When that happens in your life, when the moment is there, will you be prepared? Jesus said, the time is up. The moment is now. And they were unprepared. I want to give all of you a mini test this morning. I want you to think about the most difficult thing that you've had to go through in the last five years of your life. I know for some of you that's something really heavy. Maybe the loss of a loved one. Maybe you were diagnosed with something. Maybe you've lost a job. I don't know what it is in your life. You know, when I look at the last five years of my life, one particular instance comes to mind. It was when Nicole and I lost our little baby boy just over a year ago. It was tough. And I cried like a baby. It was not easy. But during that time, I knew that God was still in control. I didn't like what was happening, but I knew that God was calling me to get on board with his plan for my life. And I knew that because I had prayed to God and I had been in touch with God, that I was prepared to get through that time. And it hurt. You guys have seen The Passion of, of Christ. I'm sure you saw the movie that Mel Gibson did. It hurt Jesus to go through what he went through. It was not easy, but he was prepared. Sometimes in life, there's some pain you have to go through. And it hurts. But if you've prepared, you can pass those tests. God taught me through that experience that his glory is magnified when in the midst of suffering, I still praise him. Like Satan condemned Job and he said, 
anybody's going to praise you. Look at how blessed Job is. Of course you bless somebody like that. They're going to say, oh, isn't God wonderful? Don't you want to get to know my God? Look at all the things he's given me. That's what Job was accused of by Satan. God took all those things away. He said, now that is what it looks like to receive praise from your creation. Job continued to praise him even when it was all stripped away. And during that time, God was showing me some of those same things. And I said, you could take everything away from me and I could still praise my God. You can't learn that unless you go through a time of trial, a time of testing. I learned something new about my relationship with my maker. I learned something new about my ministry here on this earth. But it was all because I was prepared through prayer well in advance of that ever happening. Had I not been connected to God in prayer in the time preceding that, I'm not sure how I would have handled that situation. It might have gone terribly. It might have been something that caused me to have to step down from this position that I have here at church to be able to speak into your life. But God gave me an opportunity to go through a time of testing. But he also gave me a time of preparation. Are you grasping hold of the opportunity to prepare through prayer? Because whatever you went through these last five years, it's not over. There's more testing still ahead. And you're going to need to prepare for that time. And prayer is how you prepare. If you're living the God-sized mission that you were created for, an extraordinary life filled with God's power and provision, you've simply got to pray. It doesn't work any other way. I want to uh, invite the worship team to come back up for one last song. I'd also like to ask the prayer team to come up forward this morning. I want to point out one more thing that's in this passage that jumps out to me in regards to prayer. Verse 38. Jesus says, stay here and keep watch with me. Stay here and keep watch with me. Why did Jesus want the disciples to join him in this moment? He was the one taking the cross. They weren't being asked to take the cross. Why did he want them to join with him? There's something extremely powerful about coming together in prayer. And as we continue through this series on prayer, we're going to talk about corporate prayer in the weeks to come. But I just want to tell you this morning, in Jesus' greatest time of need, his earthly friends deserted him. And we read in the Gospel of Luke that an angel came and ministered to Jesus at that moment. I truly believe that angel would not have had to have come to minister to Jesus had his friends been there with him by his side. And furthermore, I would suggest that that angel got to experience the glory of of joining God at that moment that was reserved for his disciples. And they just missed out. And I wonder how many things in your life you're going to miss out on where God says, hey, come and join me. I want to show you something incredible. I want you to be part of something glorious. But you're not ready to join him. You haven't prepared for the journey. And so God says, you're going to have to stay behind. And I'm going to invite somebody else to come and take your place. Whether it's an angel who ministers or another person who takes your place, God's not going to give you the job. 
if you're not prepared for it. As we close, I want to invite you to come this morning and pray. Whether you come forward and pray with the prayer team or whether you pray where you're at in your seats there, my admonishment to you this morning is this. Do not sing a a single word of the song that we're about to do until you've spent at least a few moments praying with somebody else. Not alone, but with somebody else. If you don't feel comfortable praying out loud, then come up here and ask one of our prayer team to pray for you. If you want to pray with the person sitting next to you, that's fine. If you'd like to get up out of your seat and walk across the aisle and pray for somebody over there, that's fine too. But let's stop just talking about prayer and let's do it this morning as we prepare for this great journey. offering that I bring humbly I fall on my knees to proclaim your everything my life's nothing without you take my hand and lead me through you are my sustaining love live to This offering that I bring, humbly I fall on my knees to proclaim your everything. My life's nothing without you. Take my hand and lead me through. You are my sustaining love.
God, we thank you for an awesome opportunity to worship you, God. Whether we feel like it or not, God, we offer you ourselves. And I do pray for those days, God, those days that will come when we are tested, that we'll seek you out, God, in the midst of that. But not only then, God, but every day in between that we would be prepared, God, continuously seeking you out and preparing ourselves to meet those circumstances that will come, God, when we're going to need your strength, when we're going to need to be strong and close to you, Lord. God, may we not run to you just when the trial comes, but may we run to you every day, God, so when the trial comes, that we're ready, God. May we be a support and an encouragement to the people around us, God. May we not just come to you for ourselves, but may we come to you in intercession and prayer, earnestly seeking you for others, God. Prepare us not only for the trials that come our way, but the trials that come other people's way, God. May we be ready to meet the needs around us, God. May we seek you out, our provider, Jehovah Jireh. We love you, God. And we do so thank you for seeking us out, for being patient with us. Bless you, Father. Bless you, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, thank you for being here with us. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Hey, um, before you all go, we've uh, got a really sad day today, in a sense, because we're losing... Two of our most cherished and precious friends, Mark and Lynn Janini. And that might come to, as a surprise to some of you, but it's been, a, it's been a process where they've sown and they've given themselves 100% to this church from the beginning. They've been the most faithful brothers and sisters that we could have asked for to get this church up and running. And now the Lord's leading them to another place to offer their gifts, to grow to be ministered to for a time. And uh, I want to ask Lynn, if Lynn, can you come up here, please? You're not getting away with this. This is my one chance to get you up front. 
right up stage, not down there. You know, guys, um, these, this couple is a perfect example of just giving themselves to the Lord and trusting Him and being obedient to Him no matter what comes their way. To Mark and Lynn, it's a sad day and I... trying to contain myself here, gather my thoughts, my emotions, but I just want to tell you guys, we, we love you dearly, and um, Lynn, thank you for doing everything that you do in the background. Most people don't know what you do, but I thank you for being such a great encouragement and a support to Mark, to all of us, to our finance team, and Mark, you're not off the hook yet, we're going to get you back. Father's house thinks they're getting you for good, but we'll have you back every now and then. But uh, we want to let you guys know we, we're blessed to have you, to have had you for the time. But we know that you've got to move on a little bit to grow, to be blessed, to be a blessing, and to be ministered to. So, Mark, I thank you for all the time you've put in. Worship team thanks you. Dan and I and Robin, thank you. Thank you for the many lives that you guys have touched. And uh, we just want to give you a little bit of something. It's nowhere near what um, you guys have given, but it's just a token of our love and our appreciation for you. So bless you and thank you. Thank you, Mark. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. It's been a real honor, I have to say, and it's been very humbling. And uh, I just want to say I love everybody here, and I love these guys a lot. And uh, I'm still going to be around, so don't, you know, I may show up a few times here. You might be surprised. So Uh, The flowers are for you, Mark, actually. Of course. (laughs) Am I supposed to, can I open this later? You can open it later, yeah. That's for Lynn. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Okay, we just want to pray. We want to pray for you guys quickly, and um, and then we'll close. Dan, you want to pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you that from day one we asked you to give us what we need here at this church, no more, no less. And Lord, because of your great mercy and grace on us, you gave us Mark and Lynn Giannini. Lord, from day one we've been able to lean on them so much and so often. And so, Lord, it's hard for us to imagine continuing on without them. But yet, Lord, we know that all good things come from you. They were your provision for this church for the time that they were here. And, Lord, now you've got a new mission for them. And so off they go. Lord, may you bless them in everything they put their hand to. And may you bless the people that they minister to, that they would have great fruit in their ministry. And, Lord, I pray that the hole that is left behind by their absence here would be more than filled by those that you would send after them. Lord, we thank you for your good provision. We thank you for Mark and Lynn Giannini and the example that they are to all of us. Lord, bless them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we're going to do one more song because I don't want to end it on that. That's too sad. Let's pick this thing up a little bit, okay? Um, please pick your kids up if you have kids in the nursery or in the children's church. And, uh, yeah, just uh, may you be blessed this Sunday. Thank you.
greatest day in history. Death is beaten, you have rescued me. Sing it out, Jesus is alive. Empty cross, empty grave. Life eternal, you have won the day. Shout it out, Jesus is alive. He's alive. Oh, happy day, happy day. You washed my sin away. Oh, happy day, happy day. You'll never be the same. Forever I'm the same Oh, when I stand in that place Free at last to teen face to face I am yours, Jesus, you are mine In this joy, perfect peace Earthly pain finally we'll see. Celebrate, Jesus is alive. He's alive. Oh, happy day, happy day. Wash my sin away. Oh, happy day, happy day. Never be the same. What a glorious way that you have saved me. Oh, what a glorious day. What a glorious day. Oh, happy day, happy day. Wash my sin away. Lord, we will never be the same in you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, and thank you, everyone. Amen.